It's Wednesday, June 28th, 2017, and you're listening to episode 72 of Roll Up and Die. watch it for the entertainment you don't watch it for the explosions like there are movie, movies like that mm-hmm. for sure but there's a movie yeah. you watch because it makes you experience a certain socio-political emotion does that make no no that's not what i mean it makes you experience kind of a certain nostalgia let's let's say nostalgia sure. in the chest What's that movie for you? What's the movie that even though you know like oh. maybe it's good, maybe it's bad, this movie is my nostalgia flick? Oh, that's easy. Big Trouble in Little China. Nice. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, in fact, we I just I just introduced my kids to it and they they're thrilled with it. My my daughter wants to see oh, it like every awesome. night. Yeah. And, I imagine and you, you almost said they're fucking thrilled with it, but you looked left and your daughter was looking at you so you're like they're f- thrilled <laughs> no, with no, it. No, the <laughs> no, no. They, they, oh, I say, I say, fucking front of my kids. I don't have a problem with that. No, um, no. But uh, we found this uh, this parody song online someone made called David Lopan style. If you if you get a chance, look it up, man. It is the <laughs> most hysterical thing. And the best part is that the guy who played Lopan in in the movie they got him to do a cameo in the in the video. <laughs> so it's it's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. so, so big trouble in Little China. Matt, yours is yeah. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. No, not Last Crusade, and not Temple of Doom. Other one, Raiders of the Lost. Yeah, Ark. that one. Am I right? Other yeah, one. yeah. Yes. No, I was. I, I was going to say that Raiders of the Lost Ark is like my probably my favorite movie of all time that I enjoy just unabashedly. I think Raiders of the Lost Ark is like a perfect. It's like a perfect movie. Like, there's literally nothing I would change about it. That's awesome. We were watching Last Crusade yep. the other day because it was on TV. <clears throat> and yeah. I haven't seen that movie in 15 years, and it, it's so funny that, that this is that's why I'm bringing it up because I saw the movie and immediately I had this weird feeling in my brain and in my chest, like if I if my eyes were closed, I might have thought that I was nine again. Like that's what I mean. That's right. nostalgic feeling, and it was the scene at the beginning when uh, Indy is young, and it, you know the band yes. of misfits mm, yeah. were on the train and yep. stuff like that. <clears throat> That's yeah. such a cool <laughs> scene, right? That scene is so is. good. My favorite part You're is lost when today, he... You don't have to <laughs> like when it. when he, he's running out of the tunnel, and he's looking around, and there's there's no one else there, and he's the only one left, and he goes, everyone's lost but me. Like, right. that's just such a, like, Indiana Jones thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> like, not I'm lost, or they left me behind, yeah, yeah. but everybody's lost yep, but me. Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, you know what I get to do, too, recently, is I get to give my kids a, a, a really cool gift. They, they, they got to see... Um, uh, they got to see Rogue One and then see Star Wars for the first time oh, in that order. Yep. Oh, <laughs> whoa. That's yeah. insane, man. I hadn't even considered that being like your first. Dude. So I, so I have to ask you, Alex, like how <laughs> yeah. did that go? Like was it jarring the transition from Rogue One to A New Hope or was it pretty seamless? No, no, not at all. I mean, uh, the, if, I mean the end of Rogue One was, was just so well done yeah. to, to get it to match. Um you know the scene and yeah it was it was it was near perfect i thought yeah you know my wife and i just watched uh yesterday for uh for may the 4th we watched yep. rogue one and then a new hope and it was a really cool experience and it actually made me retroactively like rogue one even more than i already did yeah. because i was like wow they really did a good job like just transitioning but i can't imagine that being like your first experience with Star Wars is Rogue One and then boom, right into A New Hope. Like, yeah. that's just so interesting to me. And I was thinking about yeah. that, like, how many people's first Star Wars movie was something like The Force Awakens? Because we think, right. you know, my first Star Wars movie was A New Hope, you know, and, I, and a lot of right. people say that, or one of the old movies. Is The Force Awakens or Rogue One a better starter Star Wars movie? 
Hmm. I've I've done a lot of thinking about this um, because someday I will have children and someday those children will get to watch (laughs) Star Wars with me. And I think I want them to experience it the way I experienced it, where we watch A New Hope and then Empire and then Return of the Jedi and then Force Awakens and then Rogue One. And I want to shield them. I want to I want them to just <laughs> I want to protect them as much it's as I can. It's a roll up and die deja vu, man. We've talked about this. There is no way have, they're yeah. going to be protected, Matt, because they're going to listen to roll I up know. and die. Ugh. They're going to listen and be like, Dang "Dad, man. what are these prequels?" <laughs> what are you talking about? What's Phantom There's Menace? There's only one I'm prequel. Like, no! Phantom Menace. No, Rogue One's <laughs> the prequel, right? That's why it's called Rogue One. It's the first one, right? Yeah, that's that's the only prequel. <laughs> yeah, that's what I told you, kids. I'm going to find a DVD copy of Attack of the Clones under my son's bed. Where did you get this? (laughs) I literally watching you. (laughs) That was the same joke as the last one. Was it? We're we're stuck in a time. (laughs) But you know what we should do, though? We should bring this banter topic to a close, I think. I think it's time to bring a little closure to banter and maybe... I was going to say transition into the podcast, but this isn't closure of it, right? If I, hmm, maybe I should have saved it for the end of the podcast. Yeah, maybe. How can you segue about closure? Anyway, thank you everybody <laughs> for joining us tonight on Roll Up and Die, your definitive RPG podcast. My name is Barker. And my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. And yes, finally, at long last, our <laughs> series on plot story arc what is it story what do we call this thing narrative structure narrative structure that's what we call it sure uh (laughs) this is our last you can tell how knowledgeable we are on the subjects that we talked about here on roll up and die what the hell is this for doing what is this is this a narrative structure what's a gnome i really didn't know what a gnome was in that episode either i was just like i've never heard of that before but today it is closure time we're going to talk about conclusions we're going to try to talk about them in a way that we haven't talked about before i think but basically, good ways to decide, okay, now that we're going to bring the story to an end, mm-hmm. how do we do it? And so I'll throw yeah. it to you guys. So, well, the conclusion is sort of, it's almost two parts, right? Because you have your falling mm-hmm. action, and then you have your your wrap-up or resolution, mm-hmm. or what's the, oh, there's the, a French word for it. Fin- the, finny. It's like it's like denouement or something like that in French, mm-hmm. and it's basically like mm-hmm. the 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 wrapping up of the story, the tying of mm-hmm. the bows, you know. So right. a conclusion is really two pieces: the falling action and the actual sort of resolution or, or revelation. So, uh, but really, they can be talked about as one sort of fluid motion, similar to you know how exposition leads to rising action, sort of fluidly. Oh, definitely, and I think like yeah. you know we've we've broken it up. <clears throat> rising yeah. action and climax and stuff but if you're doing it right you know this is this is all invisible it's all seamless yes yeah yeah exactly. absolutely if anything this is probably the most pronounced because usually this is going to happen like right after uh the the, the death of <clears throat> the big bad guy or the the un, the uncovering of the plot or you know whatever whatever that after right be. after the big showdown yeah. ends kind of thing. yeah 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 and and so that that's probably the most that's probably the most noticeable where you know this we've been working towards this all this time and now it's done and so there's there's already kind of that that sense of you know um we've 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 gone over the edge now i think i like that yeah, I, I like sure. the way look at that yeah well oh, and it's one ahead. of those things too where i mean we we've talked about a lot like the sort of high level stuff and then like the low mm-hmm. level stuff where you have like yeah. your macro and micro sort of narrative structures and so uh It'll be interesting, too, to talk about, like, um, you know, what is falling action in regards to, like, a single session? Like, what does the falling action look like? Or or a series of sessions, you know, a small arc that happens in the midst of a larger campaign. Um, Because, like we've discussed, like, narrative structure happens on a big level. And also, like, there's all these little pyramids, all these little, you know, pokey pyramids of narrative structure happening throughout the campaign as well. With different story arcs happening here and there, you know. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they, they've redrawn the narrative structure, right? You know, when I was in high school, it was, well, it was just a steady line all the way up to the climax. And then we have the following action and the resolution. And now it's like, now nah, we're going to draw it like it's a freaking mountain chain where there's peaks everywhere. <laughs> and, you know, you got to, because that's the way you got to <clears throat> constantly one-upping yourself. And we've talked about it kind of with the rising action. We talked about constantly mm. making it bigger, making it bigger, making it badder. How do you, well... Let me rephrase the question. Where do you go from there if the objective is to end it? Is that where you're kind of safe to withdraw into the withdraw yourself into the safety of not even having to worry about it anymore and you can just kind of let things ride? Well, I think it's important to remember that falling action is still action. Like it's not called, mm. you know, falling mm sleeping i don't know it's like or falling in action <laughs> falling paralysis like still, yeah it's the worst yeah Jeez. like stuff still happens in falling action like uh, uh a good example is we were just talking about star wars like in return of the jedi the falling action is everything that happens after luke like says i am a jedi like my father before me and the, the emperor's like yeah. so be it jedi. emperor yeah. dies that's the climactic and... mo- yeah that's the climactic moment of, right. the, of the movie and so much stuff happens after that you've got the emperor torturing luke vader mm-hmm. finishing his arc and the whole conversation with vader and luke stuff on endor the you know death star exploding like that's all happening sort of in yeah. the falling action because the movie is winding down and we're just finishing out the the arc you know either the 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 protagonist or the antagonist is prevailing in that moment in the falling action so it's not always just all right well it's over let's start winding down it's normally like no there's still stuff happening it's just the climax has already happened it's like uh, okay everyone get ready for the closure musical score we're all gonna sing this song and then it's done (laughs) that's a really interesting point actually because then a falling action becomes less about finishing one thing and more about finishing a lot of little loose ends type of thing. Yeah, right. for sure. And that sort of plays into the into the resolution or the or the denouement as well. Mm-hmm. How much do you think would would you benefit from like a loose ends list that you had been keeping over the campaign? Every time you bring mm-hmm. up something oh that God, didn't yeah. end and you just kind of put them on this list and the ones that aren't that important, you maybe even discard. But ones that are pertinent to the story and to the characters you keep there, do you think that'd be helpful to like to keep, or is that something you think you'd be overwhelmed with after a while? That's absolutely something. I've I've done that before, like a lot, and and I think every campaign that I've actually ended has ended with me prepping with a big list of loose ends and stuff that I want to wrap up and address and. Like, you're right, Barker, like, some of this stuff is not important enough or not pertinent enough, and, and I'll just cross it off, but the other things, you know, I'm drawing lines between them, trying to make these final connections and, and wrap everything up in a sort of satisfying mm-hmm. way that, that makes sense. Okay, cool. Yeah, I generally try to wrap things up, but I don't usually worry about all the tiny little threads, unless yeah. unless the, the unless the, the player characters ask about them or, or try to find out in, in the game, you know, uh, what would happen to him or, you know whatever became of that, that kind of thing. I, you know, I, I don't look for all the little ones, but definitely the major, the major points, you know, all the people, all the people involved, uh, you know, directly in what was going on. And then there has to be a good definitive resolution to bring to, you know, and, and those are the threads you want to bring together the most. If there's any other little ones floating around, I, I don't, I don't generally tend to worry about them because, um, I want a nice. I want. To, I want the ending to be as clean as possible. I want. I want the, that to be that moment. That makes a lot of sense, actually. And you said something. You said you might tie that loose end off if the player said, "Oh, my character asks yeah. about this loose end." That's kind of like that's that'd be like if I could have a skill to not force the players to go a certain direction, but make it seem like when. The thing is revealed, the big, you know, not not the not the climax, but when these loose ends mm-hmm. are tied, that it was them that tied them. Not me, but that it was the characters right. that did that via their actions. So, um, I don't know. Maybe I would probably do that by introducing, like, go, meeting the characters halfway. Here's what I mean as an example. Let's say one of the loose ends involves this NPC who's going to give the characters a tavern. Um... If I do not introduce that NPC during the final game session, 
that tavern thing will never happen We're, because you know maybe it's not pertinent. But if I decide it's pertinent or that the moment would fit, I'm going to introduce that NPC into the scene somehow. Uh, maybe they mm-hmm. you know enter the building or drop through the class. <laughs> maybe they Batman in. <laughs> I brought this tavern for you. This is a really bad game session. No, the, but but if you introduce the NPC and immediately the characters think, oh, this is the guy that was going to give us that tavern to serve as a home base. Right, right. They're going to bring it up, and it's going to have been their bringing things around full circle. Not, It's not your machinations, GM. This is something you've set up, and the characters just picked up and took it. Yeah. yeah. I think the best part about tying loose ends is that these are loose ends of strings from the very beginning of the campaign. Mm. Yeah. One of the coolest things about running games online is that you can go back and watch the game. Yeah. I went back and I watched Mm -hmm. the first session of Winds of Sursaline and it was there that I found the finale. The idea. Mm -hmm. It's it's in those little kind of improvised, fun little things that you throw out there in session one. That's where you can draw a lot of inspiration to bring something back full circle mm-hmm. at the yeah, very yeah. end, which is a, a yeah. historically common thing to do. Oh, for sure. And, and, and I love bringing things full circle when you can. Um, there was a, uh, one of the last campaigns was a great ending, I thought, where the first adventure they had gone on had been to a carnival that had uh that had that had showed up at their at their city and uh that was that was the first place they had gone and their adventure began and and all these horrible things happened so by the time you know they, everything finished up they had been through some shit you know they uh they were missing body parts they were you know they had been originally very optimistic and now they were cynical and mm-hmm. dark and and they, they they're coming back to the city that they left you know so long ago and over the year or so that they'd been traveling the world and doing all these things the the circ the the, the carnival was back now and, and and as they're sort of walking you know walking into the city these these four um these four kids go running past them heading to the the carnival just like they had been almost oh so that's cool it, it, that's it, cool. It, yeah, so I love it. Or like uh, a, having a common nice. NPC or something walk by them and not recognize them. Like something, oh, yeah. something simple like that's that. That's a good one too. <laughs> yeah, that's like really that too. neat. I love like um <clears throat> book ending campaigns like that or having it be sort mm-hmm. of this cyclical thing where um like uh in the provokers, you know, it it started in the tavern the wayward wanderer and it ended in the tavern the wayward wanderer like and at the beginning, mm-hmm. they were all sitting at separate tables, and at the end, they're sitting at one table, you know? And it was yeah. just kind of this nice little symbolic way to end the campaign and have that imagery sort of uh, echo in the conclusion that happened mm-hmm. in the, you know, the exposition or the very beginning of the of the campaign. Yeah, the other thing I'm a big fan of is is pretty much in the, in the very last part is just giving the players that now they're the DM at that point. You know, yeah. tell me, tell me what happens to your characters. You know, tell me what you know, where they go from here. Ah, like a little soliloquy um, type of thing. You know, yeah, and and uh, you know, we might we might skip time. We might say, okay, it's you know, six months later, a year later. You know, where are you? You yeah. know, and and maybe you know, we might do a scene where they're they're having a reunion. And then where they actually role play talking about what they did, or they might just yeah do a soliloquy saying, you know, well, you know, when uh, when 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 Gorthank went to, you know, his homeland, he discovered blah blah, blah you know, mm-hmm. and just going off and describing what happened. And of course, you know, I'll usually give them a heads up saying, okay, this is what we're going to be doing in the next session. So mm-hmm. kind of be thinking about that if you want to write something down, you know. Matt did something prepare, similar to uh, prepare them. Uh, and the provokers, you know, he was kind of like, all right, at the end, we're just kind of. <clears throat> kind of end the game but each person's going to be able to kind of describe what their character does goes on to do yeah and it's yeah. it's what's neat about that is that you're giving you're giving all the power to the player there you know this mm-hmm. is at the, yeah. you've this whole game whether it's been months sometimes years this whole campaign started because these players brought character sheets to the table this is the only thing they've got right. That's it. You've got everything else, GM, <laughs> and now you're giving them a moment with their character sheet 
and I think that's a really great way to end the game. I've done it once, and I'm definitely going to do it in the future. Yeah, I really like that too. I, I really enjoyed that, and it was um, it was cool too because it's like I I really enjoy having a little bit of of that sort of satisfying seeing everyone what they're up to, what their lives are like when they return to whatever lives they were leading before the adventure began. You know, like uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. I love I, I love that show, yeah. and at the very end, like they have the big final battle in the penultimate episode. And then the final episode is literally just catching up with everyone, what they're doing, you know? And it's like, yep. we, you have an entire episode just seeing the characters and where they're going and, and you know, how their relationships are and stuff like that. And I think that's, it's really cool to have that sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, closure? Closure. 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 Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Having that, having that closure is, um, is really satisfying from a storytelling point of view. Like, there's a reason why people use that in movies and books and TV shows. So if it fits with the tone and with the feel of your campaign, allow your players to narrate what their characters are doing, just like just like you said, Alex, and, and, and mm-hmm. allow them to be the DM for a little bit. And it's, it's cool to be able to have that. It's satisfying as a player, and it's satisfying for me as a game master to see the story that we've been telling together come to a nice conclusion like that yeah and you kind of get to hear what they got out of it you know what yeah how they perceive this because that's going to be reflected in in what the characters do there was uh, uh one character that was played by uh uh rob the swamper and uh his he played a kind of a, a dim-witted character he wasn't terribly smart but he was good-natured he was he was you know happy he was and but again going through what he went through by the time he got back he he basically you know uh, was kind of broken and 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 his you know soliloquy was about you know I never want to go I don't never want to go adventuring again <laughs> you know and, <laughs> yeah and and he he, he opened he opened a leather <laughs> shop and and yeah it was it was really kind of a, a sad ending for him but but satisfying because of of what the character you know what happened to him oh yeah and happy all things considered given that it's a RPG campaign, and you know what can happen. You know, well, re- yeah, retire. He survived. Retire, he survived so. I was going to say, yeah, retiring as a leather craftsman <laughs> is a pretty happy ending for a D and D game, <laughs> especially for <laughs> my characters. Cases. Man, whenever I write a character, whenever I roll up a character, the first thing that character does is look at me and say, "Oh shit, not you!" Every time. <laughs> so I have a little quick tip that I want to throw out there and get engage your opinions on. Yes. Since we don't do quick tips anymore, this is one quick tip that you get. A long time ago, my sister gave me this advice when I was reading a book. I flipped to the back to see how many page numbers there were so I could do the math in my head and see how much I had left. And she said, don't do that, idiot. Don't look to see how long there is left because then that's what you're focusing on instead of the story or, in this case, the game, the descriptions. Um, Don't look at the page numbers. Don't tell the players when the campaign's going to end. Don't say, all right, guys, mm. it's the last session, yeah. because what if the last session sucks? And what if the players did something you didn't predict, and, and you're like, oh, crap, I wish I didn't say this is the last session, because I have an idea for one more <clears throat> session that could be a better finish, and then you could do that next. Mm. And so I feel like it's a better ending for a campaign when the players know it's coming, but they don't know when. Oh, I like that idea. Yeah, I think the kind of stuff we're talking about too, though, is is about, you know, you've already had that that climax, which I think at that point, again, if you've got if you have that definitive resolution of, you know, we've we've killed the bad guy, we've freed the the country, you know, whatever it happens to be, we've mm-hmm. stopped the, you know, interdimensional portal from destroying the world, and spewing tar yeah. out into the world and turning everything into <laughs> right. a parking lot. Yeah, that, that's yep. <laughs> You know, you know, once that's done, they they kind of they kind of yeah. get that that's it, and, and then having point. that one, then having that one, you know, epilogue session, um, and I think at that point it's you know it's obviously it, it kind of has to be okay because you know you, you, there's not much you can do unless you're going to be starting a new campaign from that point, you know. Well, then that's my question for you: is this after the climactic session, right? We're talking about uh, the falling action and the conclusion. Yeah. Is this all one ep- one session we're talking about? 
Like the, the I wouldn't say I wouldn't say necessarily no. I, I think mm. that if we're talking about like a big campaign, mm. like you could potentially have falling action occur <clears throat> over a session and have a session be the conclusion or or you know whatever. But yeah, I think that generally, you know the the rising action is the bulk of what your sort of narrative is going to be. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. falling action, even though if you look at like a narrative structure like uh, diagram. The rising action and the falling action are equal sides. It should really be like a sloping hill where the rising action is really like long, and then the falling action is like sharp and quick. Yeah, yeah, but, that makes sense. But you know, it it really it depends on so many factors. It depends on how exactly you're utilizing the narrative structure. If it is at on a macro level, at a campaign level, or if it's more of a you know per session per session basis. And it mm. also depends on the type of story that you're telling and, and the characters that are involved and all that kind of stuff. And how the climax ends. Yes. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If everyone if everyone dies in the climax, the falling action and the conclusion are going to be very, very different. It's all going to be about that NPC yeah. who's got nobody to give this tavern to because everyone's dead. Yeah, exactly. Right. Then, then, then at that point, it's probably up to the DM to have the uh, soliloquy of the bard telling the tragedy of the death of all these people and yeah, exactly. how, how darkness entered the world and everything yeah. ended. You know, you, you mentioned, <laughs> and then you get to write thanks, a super guys. awesome post-apocalyptic campaign where the, <laughs> they roll up new characters right. and pick up where they left Yes. <laughs> One thing you said, Matt, actually, was you said that the rising or the falling action slope should be shorter or sharper than the rising action slope. And yeah. I, I like the idea of actually going back to, it's almost like with the narrative structure, each section has an equal but opposite section on the other side, right? You have the mm-hmm. rising action at the beginning that we've already talked about, and you have the falling action on the other side. What if, like, during the falling action period, that's when you look specifically at the things that you discussed in the rising action, and you're like, okay, those are the, th- the things we need to tie up. If you're looking for some sort of level of organization putting all those little plot hooks and stuff in the rising action at the beginning and then kind of waiting and just kind of letting them steep for a while throughout the climax and through everything and then during the mm-hmm. during the falling action i mean what sort of loose ends get tied <clears throat> there how do you tie up loose ends without making them feel trivial i guess is is the question at the root of my question yeah i mean it's tough to do and it's it's um you know, if you have a bunch of loose ends that you're trying to wrap up, it, it can come across as sort of contrived and hackneyed because you're kind of forcing <clears throat> to try and, you know, make connections and, and wrap things up. But, um, you know, it could be something as simple as, uh, you know, looking at your characters. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a big fan of people over plot, right? Focusing on yeah. the characters rather than the story. And, you know, the story will happen as a result of the characters and their conflicts and, and motivations and things like that. So looking at the characters and the loose ends that are tied to specific characters and specifically your party members. So like in the provokers, like everyone got their little scene during the bleak storm where, you know, Dice was able to, to speak with his late wife and Erdon mm. uh, was able to speak with his mother and uh, Durgan was able to commune with his god, you know, and it was they were all things that that the characters were struggling with and it was almost like you know you have your grand narrative arc and inside that arc i had all these little peaks of climaxes with each character that sounded so bad but you know what i'm talking about where it's yeah. like like every character had their their peak you know their climax mm-hmm. yeah their moment within yeah their moment within the falling action that was happening in the in the actual game itself where you know you're still fighting the big bad the big bad guy, but it's it's you know sort of the latter half of this fight, and all of these characters are getting these moments, and it's you know uh, it's stuff that they've all been struggling with, pieces of their character, pieces of their arc that are getting tied up, and so I would say that if you're looking at your loose ends, if you're looking at you know like you're saying, Barker, having these things that are happening during the rising action come to fruition, or 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 be wrapped up in the falling action. Look at the characters. Look at what they've been dealing with. Mm. What is what has been their main motivation and their main goal in the campaign, and try to work that in somehow into the falling action. Mm. No, I like that a yeah, lot. Th- I, I do. I, and and thinking about it, I think that's uh, what I tend to do is um, let the players kind of decide what threads are to be tied up. You know, kind of yeah. like I mentioned earlier, where um, you know, obviously there are major threads that that are obvious, like, uh, you know, deciding what happens to the major players in, in, in what just happened. 
but um, but as far as everything else, um, just see what they ask about. You know, if they didn't yeah. remember a thread from the beginning, then it wasn't memorable, and there's no really no point yeah. in bringing it up, except to, for them to go, "Oh yeah, I forget about that." You know, and then it's you know, it, I don't think it's as necessary. I mean, you can always kind of just chat about it later, say, "Hey, uh, you know, oh, do you remember that guy? Do you know what happened to him?" You know, and, and yeah, you know, after the after the game kind of thing. But as far yeah. as you know, within the game, just uh, seeing what they're interested in, because uh, ultimately they're you know, they're the ones who are going to walk away from it you know, um, deciding what kind of story it was. Yeah, exactly. Ah, I like that. And I like the idea of giving the characters more control now than ever before. Like, really g- allowing them to describe how this thing is ending. And not you. You've mm. described the intro and everything. You've made up the bad mm-hmm. guys. And you've, you know, it's not been a complete railroad. You've worked your ass off at making things fit and making sure that everything has been as sandboxy as possible while still being able to accomplish the story. And, and But now you get to kind of relax, man. You have finished everything that you <laughs> need to do as a GM. Mm. And now it's just kind of letting the players, letting them kind of do their own thing and and yeah. describe what their characters do and, and encourage inter-table role play, not just players role playing with you as the GM. I think, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, because at that point, there's not really not much to push for as a G as a as, as a as a as a GM because, you know, you you, you did it, <laughs> you know, you got it to happen. You got you got the 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 you got the story to to fit to come to this point, and now it's like okay, now I, I don't have to push anymore. I can just, you know, I can mention stuff that's happening around them, you know, uh, and and then just see where they go. You know, what are they going to do? Let it let it be just entirely, because at that point, there's 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 no off the rails. The rails are gone entirely, mm-hmm. and yeah. and it's time to just you know go where they want to go. I like that. I like that. You got nothing left to sell. You've got nothing nothing left to push. You know, put the put aside right. the prep notes. The game is ending, and now it's yeah. you know this is this is now the character's time. Yeah, I'm down. Yeah, I like that. I'm down like a fallen action. nice narrative structure puns Mm, i've got nothing right now so i'm gonna throw it to you guys (laughs) the 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 thing is this is this is a little tricky to talk about for me because uh we're not talking about something specific yeah (laughs) we're talking in in such broad generalities here that it's really hard it is and i'm 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 happy that we (laughs) we spread these out you know that we do yeah. An episode on gnomes or something, you know, be between them, because this would just get it, it's heavy. It's heavy stuff to think about yeah. because it's hard yeah. to focus in and give some concrete tips because it depends on the campaign every time. And so, yeah, yeah. for the next like, I mean, we, we for the next 10 minutes of this podcast, let's try to come up with some tips for people, no matter what the game is you're running, what sort of tools mm-hmm. can the can the people listening bring to the table in, at the conclusion, how are their notes laid out? What would you guys do? Final session, take it away. Well, I just want to say too that, like that, you know, narrative structure is a very—I mean, it's a very theoretical sort of heady thing where mm. it's kind of this just loose idea based on like the old Greek plays and stuff like that. And it's, you know, if you look at <clears> movies <throat> and TV of today, you can see the narrative structure at play, but it is, it's just a, it's just a guideline. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's not something yeah. that you necessarily need to keep in mind at all times while you're, while you're, you know, planning a campaign where you're prepping every session, you know, as you go along in the campaign. But it's one of those things where I think it was the last narrative structure episode. Um, we talked a lot about giving your players breathers and having mm-hmm. these, you know, these peaks of action, these climaxes happen and then, you know, allowing for breathing room, around, allowing for downtime, allowing for the, the breakneck pace of the game to sort of slow up a little bit. And I think that it's times like that when you're thinking about just the flow of the campaign, how it feels when you step back and look at the sessions as a whole so far, you know, thinking about, well, we haven't had a session yet where we do this or well it, we've been kind of going and going and going for the last few sessions so maybe the next session will let off a little bit and have some time to kind of like 
decompress, take stock of what's been going on, you know, things like that. So I think that narrative structure, like like everything that we talk about in this podcast, is just one tool in your GM toolbox, yeah. and it's not necessarily something that you need to use all the time. You know, it's you don't always need a hammer for every job that you're doing, but it's nice <laughs> to have in your toolbox for when you do need it. Yeah, and how this structure isn't written in stone either. I mean, having like you could have a, a climax where there's a there's a, a an end of a great battle. And, you know, as, as the, the villain falls, you know, everyone's just sort of standing around panting. And then, you know, if it were a movie, the camera would sort of just pan out. And then they might skip to a year later then. They might just say, okay, it's a year later now. You know, uh, you've, yep. you've, 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 you've gotten back together. One year uh, you has know, passed. After going your separate ways. Yeah. And, yeah. and so they may, it may be that abrupt. And, it, and there's nothing wrong with that. That can, that can work very well, too. Or they might, you know have to take this thing's head back to someone and 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 you know return it uh to prove that they s- slew whatever they were slaying and you know then that's more sort of gradual sort of slope so 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 much of it has to be pl- played by ear i think at some point yeah. um and yeah don't you can't worry too much about sticking to this strict narrative structure even if you've planned it that way because yeah you know every dm knows how plans go ah exactly. yes <laughs> and that's the whole point right let go yeah tyler durden it at yeah. the end <laughs> <laughs> well oh, another boy. thing to keep in mind too is like uh, uh you know when i was a english major in college people would always gripe about why do we have to learn all these like rules for <laughs> writing and you know, structuring stories if it's not within my style. Like, if if my style is to inherently go against those rules, and my professors would always say, you need to learn and know the rules before you can effectively break them. And that's another thing yeah. to remember with, with something like narrative structure is you can use it to your advantage if you know it well enough to break that mold, mm. to break those tropes. If you have, you know rising action rising action rising action climax and your players are expecting Mm -hmm. a let off and then all of a sudden you go into another series of of rising action without any sort of you know falling action all of a sudden it's like oh he's you know playing fast and loose with the narrative structure here (laughs) this is not what i'm used to you know and that's a good way to sort of subvert those um those structures and those rules. Mm. But in order to do that effectively, you have to at least be familiar with them and how they work. That's what I used to tell the class that I was teaching. You know, (laughs) you need to learn these rules so you can effectively break them later. And I admit the (laughs) only reason I told them that was so they would sit down, shut up and learn the rules. That's the only reason I don't care if they break them later. (laughs) It's true. It's even if they don't, I mean, they, they sat down there. Yeah. Yeah, Right. (laughs) Now, how would you guys handle a campaign that didn't start out with this neat, uh, plan like you know uh, some of us like to sit down and and, and sort of plan you know the, this overarching um, narrative from beginning to end and it can easily follow this sort of structure because we can kind of build it into it you know uh, to some degree but what if you guys just you know sat down at a table with some friends hey let's start playing D&D and you start running these you know uh, uh, these uh, what would you call them serialized adventures just every yeah you know Every couple of weeks, you know, you finish an adventure and go to the next one. You, you know, they're they're gaining knowledge, and and it, it can still have some some richness to it. That you know, they have there's some cool characters. They're developing it's lives like and so forth. Supernatural, not... like an episode of Supernatural, where it's like every episode's different, but they're all kind of the same. You know, they're all kind of one story. Is that what you mean? Well, no, no. That the, there's there's not a, any kind of connective tissue between them. In other words, oh. other than other than the characters, gotcha. there's not like one big bad guy from beginning to end or yeah. one one key storyline from beginning to end. You know, eventually yeah. these guys are going to want to retire the characters, you know, right. or, you know, gets tired of playing them or, or whatever. There's, there's the campaign will, will come to an end at some mm-hmm. point. And how do you not, how can you use some stuff like this to not let it just sort of fizzle out and say, uh, I guess we're, we're done. Bye guys. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I think with, some, with something like that, I would do like the the old one last job, you know, like a big mm. like what did what are the what are the players and their characters enjoy doing? Are they dungeon delvers? Are they explorers? Do they like fighting mm-hmm. and killing monsters? Are they, you know, looking for a particular item of loot or something like that? And then like 
just plan like the best, biggest, you know, dungeon delve ever. You know, one last score. You could even call the session one last score and have the, you know, the characters, you know, maybe coming up against their greatest hits. You know, hey, remember the owlbear from session two? Boom, here he is. Mm -hmm. Remember the, you know, the vorpal blade you guys found in session 27? Well, this bad guy's got it. You know, stuff like that. Like, just really play with the... (laughs) you know, with the things that you're, that, that the adventurers have enjoyed mm. in the campaign and kind of try and work it into a last, a last hurrah, if you will, if you don't have any sort of campaign to tie up or, you know, big bad guy to take out or problem to solve. I kind of like that because you could actually, um, grab something from a past, uh, exactly. uh from like, uh, an original, um, I keep wanting to say episode, but, <laughs> uh, game session or whatever, you know, maybe maybe they took down a, a, you know, some local thief, a, you know, a minor character, and you know he was put to maybe maybe they didn't kill him and he was in jail or something like that, and maybe the last one is him seeking revenge on them. You know, the oh, you could have yeah. the last adventure with him coming back, you know, having spent every penny he's ever had and and all his time for the past ten years waiting to take revenge on them, that sort of thing. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I like you know, and it, I it's kind of a cop out answer. And I gave this advice earlier, <clears throat> but but I definitely might go back in time and look at some earlier episodes and bring back that character. And I think <clears throat> Matt, you mentioned that a little yeah. bit too. That big bad kind of like, just go back and make it fit. You know, really bring it around full circle. What I didn't mm-hmm. see coming, advice wise, was the one last mission. You know. Yeah, because <laughs> that's cool. That's a cool thing to do, and it's not like yeah. the the fate of the world is on their shoulders. It's just come on, let's do one last mission for old times' sake. You could yeah. even sit the characters down and run an entire entirely narrative se- uh, session where they just describe kind of what their characters are doing. And if you don't think that's fun, that's mm-hmm. fine. You can throw dice in there as much as you want. But if you give them that free reign, then their characters can do all the crap they've done in the past and they can always succeed and look like badasses and finish the game (laughs) and all get their soliloquies. Yeah. Check and mate. (laughs) (laughs) No, I like that. And that's, you know, a lot of... I, you know, a lot of campaigns are like that where you don't necessarily have some big overarching world-ending thing. You just going on adventures and delving into dungeons and you know there might be little short arcs that happen where oh, okay now we're right. going up against pirates in the next few sessions or oh there's an orc warlord that we heard about and we're going to spend the next three or four sessions trying to find him and take him down or whatever but a lot of campaigns sort of follow that and i think that that's where using the narrative structure at a micro level is really beneficial to think about for every session, you know, the leading into the session, the rising action, the climax, the falling action, and thinking about mm. it in terms of sessions and series of sessions, you know. I think that makes sense. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Do, do you guys <laughs> want to come up with uh, some ideas or a question? Usually we uh, do probably a ask, question. Probably answer a question. Want to do yeah. a question? We got some some good questions on fruitrollup.com. On fruitrollup.com with the pop-out hockey parts. We got hockey sticks. We got hockey pucks. We got hockey pads in the fruit roll-ups. You pop them out, put them on your tongue. You got a hockey face. You stick them anywhere you want. Way back. Stick them on your cystus. Stick them on the wall. I'm just Basically, you want you want the fruit roll-up pieces to be completely inedible by the time you want to eat them. You want them to have a a high saline content from the sweat from your forehead by the time you swallow. Lots it. of hair, lots of yeah. hair and dust. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, but we will take a question from the listeners here at Facebook.com/slash/RollUpAndDie. Every time we record one of these podcasts, we'll put up a question, or we'll put up the top hat topic. We'll put up a top hat every time I fuck this up. What is it? What is it about this part of the episode? You better Listen. be careful about what you promised, Barker. They're going to be expecting a picture of you in a top hat every Dude. week now. Yeah, and, and hello, my baby. The listeners, hello, the listeners just paused and were like, "What is it about this part of the episode? You fuck up every part of the episode. You're always screwing up, Barker." You didn't introduce yourself the last four episodes. Anyway, no, okay, but 
We will post our topic. You can ask your question. Oh you know my. how this works. Are you kidding me? All right. Our question, our topic tonight is narrative structure and falling action and conclusion. The question, which has the most likes, and of course we have a tie. Of course. Hmm. Perfect. They they do this on purpose. The people. They they meet us, you know, they, they decide what, what question is going to be answered in secret. Okay. The first question comes from a Lucas N., does falling action always lead to downtime for the characters? If not, what are some other things that they can do that's not just jumping back into rising action and making your adventures feel like a roller coaster? So how do you, what, what are mm. some more specific ways that you can bring down uh, slowly but surely the action without making it just kind of a boring sit there and soliloquy? What about like um, pursuing personal quests in the midst mm. of you know otherwise like more important quests like you know okay we dealt with this warlord over here or we uh got this magical item back mm -hmm. into the into the archives of this city but now you know what our elven ranger is really concerned about his homeland and so we're going to go with him to go check this out you know and that's sort of a good way to sort of have a couple sessions away uh, from the main sort of narrative arc, mm. but also like a way to get to know like the characters and stuff like that. And you could even tie in other stuff where, oh, the Elven Ranger finds out that the, the big bad guy is actually involved in, you know, uh, attacking his home or whatever. It's a cool way to get a little, a, a spotlight on one of your characters, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, there are a couple ways that I, could, that I thought of, like um, the way uh, Empire Strikes Back ended was pretty good where they yep. uh it's pretty they all, good they all had it's okay <laughs> they, all, they all had they all had plans of what they were doing you know they all had things you know related to the 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 central storyline and what they had to go do to, to get that done and so although they were recovering they were getting healed and new body parts they, they uh you know, they had they had plans. They had they had things they had to do. Another, another example, <clears throat> like from uh, uh, Fellowship of the Ring, when uh, uh, when the three companions go chasing after the orcs to get uh, Merry and Pippin back. You know, they they're, yeah. they're heading off to run. You know, run like hell to catch up with them. So that's what they're doing now. So you can have sort of traveling actions. You can have. Um, uh, you know, going into hiding actions, perhaps maybe they, uh, someone's hunting them. So they have to, you know, they have to go into hiding and wait for something to happen so that they can take an action or something like that. I like that. Um, kind of rambling a bit. No, not at all. <laughs> but, I think that makes sense. But that's, yeah. So, um, I think there's a lot of ways you can keep the action going. And again, I'm assuming at this point we're talking about, um, connections between, you know, larger adventures, not not like a final yeah, um, a final climax. Yeah, and I think you know his question, Lucas's question, I think fits with the campaign mentality. You know, because if yeah. it's a, if it's a one episode, one session, falling action, it's pretty quick. But if you're doing something mm -hmm. kind of longer, Lucas, I'd recommend going back to the basics. Ask yourself, listen, we've been running this game for twenty sessions. You face <clears> dragons <throat> and titans, and it's been crazy. Let's, you know, what if what if it's just time to kind of investigate some bandits on the road that are linked to this bad guy that you just killed? Mm -hmm. You know, like what if yeah. what if it's okay to like fight some goblins again? You know, you it's been a while since you've done that, and don't even make them super special, powerful ones. Just have you know, give them to the characters to wreck. That's not downtime, but it's easy. It's almost downtime. Um, so I'd recommend that. Ch check back at uh, session one or two. Do some kind of basic plot arc, plot hooks, cliche, tropey stuff that you can take and spin into your own thing. Yeah, that's yep. great. And let's uh, give this next and final question from Nathan L. a nice quick overview. How and should you end your campaign slash adventure with a hook for the next one? Hollywood example, the end of Back to the Future Part 1, where Doc has to bring Marty mm. to the future. Where we're going, we won't need... Uh, roads. Roads. I was... Uh, yeah, I couldn't think of a better joke, but... So... <laughs> 
Where we're going, we won't need narrative structure. Yeah. My answer is every single time. I feel like if yeah. you if you end the game mm-hmm. and there's no like weird little oh maybe maybe we'll be back. It's like oh come on, that's no fun. Yeah. No. I. I. <laughs> I love the like. The, the, not a cliffhanger, but just the little mm-hmm. kind of like it's okay to leave a little loose end flying in the wind, or like, you know, <laughs> like in the provokers, they beat the big bad guy, and then it's like, what was he doing? Like, like what was yeah. his goal there? You know, and it's like now we're a few sessions into the campaign, and they still aren't sure, but they're seeing the repercussions of what went down. You know, and it's mm-hmm. it's a cool thing to kind of leave some questions unanswered and leave leave some mystery because mm. you know what in real life things don't get tied up in a nice in a neat little bow so yep. yeah. yes have closure have a satisfying conclusion but don't be afraid to leave some questions unanswered some some loose yep. ends flying you know a hook for that next campaign like nathan said <laughs> maybe have an after credit scene for your game Ooh. yeah have nick fury show up hey way <laughs> to way to bring the episode full circle guys that means it's time to conclude. Oh, I'm ready to close the damn book on narrative structure. Can we talk about that? Can we close the damn book on narrative structure forever? I'm just gonna. I'm gonna. I'm never gonna use narrative structure. Just ever. close it. Just close it up <laughs> on purpose. I'm gonna start with the falling action. You're gonna <laughs> next game. You just you just could... obliterated your enemy, and you're sitting on a field think... of victory. That would that be a be great intro. Too. I think uh, yeah. someone someone posted a comment on there of like, uh, if you start the game with your players uh, jumping out of a plane that is going down, is that technically beginning with falling action? <laughs> <laughs> That's beginning with a very climactic falling action. And if they don't have a parachute, right. it's going to be concluded rather quickly as well. Do you guys get it? I just used all the narrative structure elements in one single sentence. That was It took me uh, a second, but that's really impressive. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Roll Up and Die. My name is Barker. And my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gotham. And this was all worth it. And don't you ever believe otherwise. <laughs> this show has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2016. It is owned by all three of the primary hosts. The games, movies, and other super awesome properties mentioned in this show are the property of their respective owners. Stealing sucks. You can find all three of the primary hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt is at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Barker is at youtube.com slash be a better game master. And both of their work can be found at absolutetabletop.com. Captain Gothnog is at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog. And his work can be found on DriveThruRPG via Critical Hit Publishing. Listeners are free to use this show in any way, shape, or form, as long as credit is provided to the Roll Up and Die RPG podcast. Look for other releases of the show on Facebook.com slash RollUpAndDie, iTunes, and RollUpAndDie.Podbean.com. Have a fantastic day, and as always, happy gaming. <laughs>